Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to be on the panel. Uh, for the first time in months, uh, we're doing consecutive episodes. Yay. Hell yeah. <laughs> Consistency, baby. Uh, I'm, my name's Colin. I'm Jared. Uh, before we get started, I want to just thank you guys for the just like really great response to last week's Spider-Man episode. Uh, currently, it is our most viewed most watched whatever episode, and that's just really big to me. It's not the biggest thing ever, but uh, for us, we're really happy about it. You know, either you really like us, or you really don't like Zeb Wells. <laughs> I, I I hope that it's you really don't like Zeb Wells, but you ended up really liking us at the end. <laughs> um, no, it it it, uh, it was really nice to just see something that we care so much about. Yeah, it's encouraging. Uh, yeah, get 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 some recognition and and resonate with people. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. As always, if you're watching or listening to this, liking, commenting, or rating, reviewing if you're on the podcatchers is the best way to help us increase our discoverability because it basically drives with algorithms and recommends us to people like you, right? So like, let's say on the podcast app, you give us five stars. It's like, oh. Uh, Johnny gave this five stars and he also listens to this. I guess we'll recommend this to other listeners of X podcast and so on and so forth. And same with YouTube and algorithms are great, but yeah, liking and commenting and just that really helps a lot. Um, so yeah, without further ado though, uh, today we wanted to be a little more positive in regards to the character of Spider-Man. Uh, cause he is very near and dear to both of us. Yeah, he's my, I want to say, third or fourth favorite character overall. I mean, I, I, a Spider-Man is my second favorite, is my, uh, my favorite. Yeah. It's Miguel. Miles. Yeah, Miguel, sorry. Not Miles. Peter's like fourth or fifth, I want to say, in terms of my characters I like. Peter is my first or second, and it just really depends on the day. Yeah. It's either him or Cap, but like, Spider-Man, uh, was the first superhero I was ever, like, truly exposed to that I can remember. I think same for me actually like i i vividly recall and and know that spider-man comics were the first comics i've ever read my dad had like a handful like maybe like 12 old issues of spider-man just scattered about some what if issues a clone saga follow-up miniseries some venom issues and spider-man 300 whatever and so i remember just reading and rereading those um and then but yeah, my first real introduction to any comic characters, period, was the 90s Spider-Man show because they would release batches of episodes on VHS and we'd go rent them and watch them. And that was, for me, yeah, like, I don't think I'd be into comics or superheroes or anything of that nature if it wasn't for that. I mean, I probably still this, would be, but that was... This is going to be sacrilegious, but I have not actually walked all the way through the 90s Spider-Man show. Hey, I really need hey. to. I'm sorry. Right, you I have to. to. For me, like for me, just do it. It's it's a fun watch. We should actually do an episode where we talk about it because it's just so special to me. It's not as good as spectacular. I I will say that I I'm I'm not so blind as to <laughs> think it is. Spectacular is is something truly special, but this one is still really fun and is really close to my heart. Very um, seats in the nineties, but you can't help that. <laughs> it, it's very nineties and it's goofy, but. They they managed to do a lot of really deep cuts in it, you know, like yeah. it was the first place I saw Morbius. It was the first place I saw Blade, Doctor Strange. Yeah, they're doing a lot of guest characters that haven't yeah, really yeah, done like they, anywhere before. And, and yeah, I think that that it's it's such a great like intro to everything because it's like no, you get everything, and they hit every major Spider-Man villain except Sandman at least once. Like they, they really, and it defined uh, the alien costume. Like it defined Venom for years. Oh yeah, definitely. Because um, not everyone knows this, but in the original run of comics, the symbiote did not do any sort of aggression increasing to Peter, and the only reason he got rid of it was because it was basically taking him out for joy rides, and was going to bond with him. He's like, oh, that's creepy. I don't like that. <laughs> Uh, but in the animated series in the cartoon, they were like, what if it did that? But also, you know, made it like 
gave him just all this rage his emotions yeah and that became just like this defining point of the 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 symbiote forevermore and i think that's really cool like that's such and a even just the origin of it like coming from space and yep. like hitting him was like or in some way it was different than how it actually was in the comics yeah and, and, and it's it basically, kind of the basis for all of all the cinematic versions in some way or another yeah it's basically the basis for any version that doesn't use secret wars which so you know, far in terms of actual being on screen, like live action has been all of them. Oh uh, yeah. Well yeah, in live action in, in the live action which is only one, it's been that. And then Venom, yeah, he came from space again. And then in Spectacular, it came from space on the shuttle again. Yeah. So it's it's very common. And yeah, it's a just really, really influential series, really fun. Banger of a theme song. <laughs> but uh, you should definitely watch it and we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, so today we are uh, going to do sort of our building blocks, essentials for Spider-Man episode. We did one for Superman a while back, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, if you haven't heard it, it's definitely worth visiting. Uh, it gave us a chance to talk about a character that I feel like for all of his fame doesn't get enough love still. Yeah, he really doesn't. Like, he's yeah, overshadowed. I mean, he's basically second fiddle to Batman. He is in the shadow of the bat at all times. And... I love Batman. Batman is super cool, but in the older I get, and is really the more I like Superman. I just recently finished the animated series for Superman, and it's really good. Oh, nice! I it's on I mean, my it's list. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm a few episodes in, and it's really, really good. It's, Superman's such a wonderful character, so definitely check that out. And but today we can talk about how Spider-Man is such a wonderful character. And you know, Zeb Wells, if you're listening to this, take notes, buddy. Okay? <laughs> just take some notes. You know, it won't hurt. You can do it. Believe and whoever's me. taking out, who's ever, whoever is taking the book after Zebulz, take notes uh, too. Good luck. I, I, on my heart, I want it to be Zadarsky. Uh, I mean, is he wrapped up Daredevil already or no? I don't know, but I also don't know when Wells is getting off the book. Yeah. So it's like I don't know if it's another couple years away. Like I really, in my heart of hearts, would want it to be Chip mm-hmm. because he. He knows the character so well. I could see uh, Jim McKay doing it too, but he's got a lot in his plate recently because he's his Moon Knight run's been great. And didn't he just start writing Avengers? He's doing Avengers, yeah, yeah. You you can't you can't write Avengers and Spider Man. <laughs> I think you'd burn out instantly. If he steps off Avengers into Spider Man, I'd be happy and just him yeah. just have him do Spider Man and Moon Knight. Yeah, because like Moon Moon Knight's not as as like editorial driven. No. No, so no, no. I feel like that's a little less pressure, but like Spider-Man and Avengers are both such tent poles that I feel like you just burn out real fast on both of them. Yeah. Don't be like Donny Cates and do Thor and Venom and Hulk and this and the other. Th- like I love Donny, but I think he burned himself out a little bit. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, core tenets of what it takes to craft a compelling Spider-Man. Number one responsibility <laughs> duh um if you don't know the line we can't help you yeah what are you doing here? we're not even gonna say it because you don't if you don't know it come on even the movies have tried to do it like three or four different ways <laughs> if you have if you could do good things for people you have the moral obligation to do those things what's your, what's your heart Martin that's that's what's at stake here not choice responsibility like, yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, could you make Martin it a little punchier? <laughs> a little wordy. Dress it up a little. Card. Uh, no, I, I... I honestly think that they nailed the delivery of it in No Way Home the best. Yeah, and honestly, I think even just in the first Spider-Man with Maguire was a good job, too. That, that was very, like... Because Uncle Ben never said the line until like flashbacks, but Peter was like, it, like it got later got attributed to Uncle Ben. So there's no like official canon. Like, well, this was how it happened. And so in in the movie with McGuire, I think it was good, but it, it was more. It it, it just felt kind of out of nowhere. It was more just like, oh, you're changing and growing up, and there was no real like power to speak of in this instance. And then. In the Amazing Spider-Man, it made sense because Peter screwed up and hadn't gone to get May. And he didn't dress him down. Yeah, and he was dressing him down, but like also trying to be encouraging and be like, look, if you can do things to help people, you have to do it. And then I really liked it in No Way Home because May knows he's Spider-Man, knows about the power, 
and actually delivers it dead on to how it was an amazing fantasy. Because mm-hmm. she actually, even though there must also come. Yeah. So I, I honestly, I think all three of them are really good in their own ways um, and fit the characters well. Pretty beautiful. <laughs> However, responsibility is the core of Spider Man. If you don't, if your Spider Man is consistently irresponsible, he's a bad Spider Man. He's not even really Spider-Man at all. No. And I I say consistently. I'm not saying that he has to make the right choice every single time because no one can do that. And yeah, no, he's human and he can slip. He's but. supposed to be a very human character, yeah. But, you know, consistently he needs to be making those choices even at his own detriment. Yeah, at risk of injury or even death, he knows yeah. that if he has the opportunity and he has a chance to do the right thing and to save someone, he will take it. Like yeah. in a lot of ways, like Superman, but the thing is, it's more it's more important for Spider-Man because more often than not, even though Spider-Man is quite powerful, he doesn't have the retinue of powers that Superman has, which makes it just as endearing, but not necessarily as... Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. It doesn't feel as impactful. Yeah, there's more weight when Superman there's because, more weight when Spidey does it because Superman only one person's ever even really been able to hurt Superman, and that was Doomsday. Spidey's dragging his broken body to bed half the week. Mm-hmm. You know, he had like almost all of his bone. He had multiple broken bones in the PS4 game, and still went out to do it. The sacrifice means more when there's a risk of Death. him not coming back yeah. from it. And then even like on the smaller risks, it's like at risk of losing friends, losing loved ones, losing opportunities because, oh, well, I'm on my way to do this great thing that I'm excited about. Oh, what's that? Someone needs help. I have to help them. Yeah, I don't. I have to help them, even though maybe right now it's not what I'd rather be doing. It's what I'm supposed to do, because the last time I didn't. Uncle Ben died. Thankfully, this isn't really a problem that I, even if I don't even even if the Zeb well, even the Zeb, Zeb Wells run maybe most writers know to keep this core tenant because yes. without it you've lost the character. And, but that's it, it's why we're starting with it is because it's the easiest to get. It, it defines the character, and it's why like if we are talking building blocks, even though this is like such a gimme, we need to talk about it because it is the foundation for. Every choice Peter Parker makes is responsibility. Yeah, everything stems from this core tenant of his character. Yeah. And if he fails to be responsible, right, so now that we've covered responsibility, then you have another important aspect of Spider-Man, which is guilt. Yeah, I mean, guilt's important because that was... <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. I mean, the guilt element <laughs> is equally as important because it's not just the responsibility of the power, but also it's as part of his origin, it's the inherent, like it was by his hand yeah. that inadvertently, inadvertently by his own hand, he lost one of his loved ones. Yes. Like you can say like Batman took up the crusade to fight crime because he lost his parents, but that wasn't his he, fault. He was a child. He couldn't have done anything. P- Peter like, was 15. He was basically on a power trip and should have known better. And he knows that. And, Tying in, like, these two things are kind of intertwined, the guilt and responsibility, yes, because totally. there's, he, he, um, not foreshook, but he shook, he shirked his responsibility to stop the thief, and because of that, it gave him the guilt Yeah, that was caused by Uncle Ben dying, and now those things are tied around each other so tightly that you can't really have one without the other, because yeah. it is the driving motivation. He does the right thing, but he's not doing it just to avoid being guilty. It's just that that's what kicked it all off. And now yeah. he does the right thing because he knows it's the right thing to do. And if he doesn't, he feels guilty not because he's afraid of being feeling guilty. He doesn't want to, he's just not just worried about repercussions, but he knows that it's another weight on his soul. Yeah. And not necessarily it's going to be, he's not just trying to avoid judgment or anything like that or avoid anything bad. He just, he doesn't want anything to happen. He doesn't want what he did, his mistake to repeat itself. Yeah, and he knows that he needs to do his best to avoid it, and that it's basically it's just that core, like to take from across the Spider Verse, it's the canon event that really drives him more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. That 
<clears throat> that guilt is what was pushing forward for the rest of his life so that no one else feels what he felt at well, losing yeah. his uncle. And like it looks it probably ends up looking to a lot of people in the world with him that he's just like has this chronic hero syndrome syndrome like just this constant need to be the hero and to save people for his own adulation edification and glory but it's not that it's because he knows that he can help them and the fact that he can means that he should and he knows that and it's all it it comes up even outside of the costume um there's lots of instances where and i'm gonna use spectacular spider-man as an example because that is in my opinion, one of the best written versions of Spider-Man ever. For sure. Here, I think I, th- I think like run thing uh, things we're gonna t- end up talking about a lot is Spectacular Spider-Man, the J. Michael Straczynski run, and the Insomniac game. Mm-hmm. Because those three, I think, got it more than anything. Um, but in Spectacular Spider-Man, Peter is he just starts making money taking photos of himself for the bugle and Robbie Robertson is like, Hey, you know, get yourself a better camera. You can get better shots, make more money. And Peter does and realizes that may is swimming in bills and he feels guilty about having the camera and he's waffling back and forth. And at the end of it, he ends up pawning off the camera to give May money to help. And her being the saint like woman she is, doesn't want to accept it. He insists. And she's like, okay, then I'll take this and you put some aside for a new camera then, you know, and he knows that there's that responsibility to help his loved ones. And so bringing him to his loved ones, because I'm just going to be the king of segues here, um, (laughs) his supporting cast, um, excuse me, his supporting cast is so essential to him. I would honest, I would wager more than honestly any other comic character I think he has the largest amount of supporting characters that matter because for Batman, it's really just Gordon and the Bat family. Yeah. For Superman, it's Jimmy and Lois and maybe Perry. Yeah. And then for some of the, a lot of the other big ones, like, yeah, for sure. Because it's Spider Man, it's Aunt May, it's Jonah, it's Mary Jane, it's Gwen when she was around, it's Harry, and it's Norman. All his, some of his villains family. are even supporting yeah. cast. Like, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's May, Harry, Gwen, MJ, Norman, uh, Jonah, Robbie, Betty, Flash, Liz, just Randy. Um, and and it's, it's what I think makes them more unique and more alive than, let's say, the Bat family is you all these people have their own relationships with each other. You know, it's a cohesive world that feels lived in and they have, yeah, they have interactions with each other. You can have Aunt May talking to Jonah or you can have Mary Jane and Aunt May spending time together. Or it's, oh, Peter's friends with Randy, who's Robbie's son. Right. And so there's that connection there. And it's just all these sort of like in this interwoven tapestry of characters that all, you know, elevate the character of Spider-Man. And I think that that. If you want to put together a good Spider-Man story, you need to be aware of that and like decide who you're going to use and how you're going to use them ahead of time. Look, yeah, you can have a story that's entirely just Peter fighting some villain, but it's because his civilian life is, uh, I think I'm kind of skipping ahead to some points, but it's okay. Um, because, his human side of it and his non-hero side is, so, is just as important to him for the most part. You you need that cast so it's not just him in isolation all the time. Yeah. Like because, it's, that's where yeah. the drama stems from. And that is usually more often than not that it's the back and forth of he's interacting with a villain and because of that stuff that's, that's hindering or harming his relationship with the people he cares about mm-hmm. and his supporting cast and usually the drive to stop the villain is fueled partially by him wanting to protect and the safety of his supporting cast as well. The Raimi films really nailed that. each other in a loop. Yeah, the Raimi films nailed that so well with, like, Norman being, like, the goblin's a bad guy. I have to stop him. Oh, no, the goblin is Harry's dad. And now he's dead, but Harry thinks I did it, so Harry hates Spider-Man, but he doesn't know I'm Spider-Man. No, no, now he knows I'm Spider-Man. 
right? And it's all Gary of that wants Peter to get to talk to Spider Man to get his blood for this thing or whatever, and then but he doesn't yeah. know that Harry's P- he doesn't know that Peter's Spider Man. Then he finds out, and then that drives Harry to enlist Doc Ock, and Doc Ock texts, uh, puts Aunt May in harm's way, and it just it's it's constant feedback loop of these things yeah. round yeah. around each other. And so, and, or like in Spectacular Spider-Man, like a lot of the villains, not all of them, but like are people he knew. Like Eddie Brock in the Ultimate Universe is a former childhood friend of Peter's. In the Spectacular one, they were really close. It makes Venom hit harder because it's this is my friend. This is a guy who yes, at times was my only friend. Was angry because he got called out on a false story. Yeah, which I honestly like. I don't think hits nearly as hard. No. them having an existing relationship it's also super ominous having venom just call him bro like <laughs> ooh, okay chills yeah. it's kind of creepy you know something that's such no it's normally like a term yeah, of endearment being used in such an ominous way um but yeah like like spinning out of that it's so like the sporting cast is super duper important because the yeah like you said that life is like it, it's you need a good balance of in and out of the suit right captain america Honestly, you don't need too terribly much of him as Steve. No. You still need some of it, but for the most part, we're here to see Cap be Cap. And he's like always Tony, Cap. Like Iron Man, you have some stuff of him, like, you know, he's doing with the company or whatever, but most of the time, the fun is when he's Iron Man. Yeah, but it's also, uh, another thing with that is, though, like, Steve Rogers, public identity. Tony Stark, public identity. Spider-Man, secret identity. Mm-hmm. You know? There's no reason for, but like... No one is intentionally intersecting Peter and Spider-Man other than with the pictures. But Peter knows about this intersection. So he's screwed, right? When a villain chases down Peter Parker because, and they're not going to kill him, but it's, you tell Spider-Man to meet me here, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. Uh, well, sometimes they do know, like, the biggest drama, the whole reason Gwen dies because Norman remembered that Peter was Spider-Man. Actually, it's because... His kids. We're not talking about. We're not talking about that. <laughs> it's because he had implanted memories. Um, no, but yeah, like Norman knowing that Peter is Spider-Man is what drove him to grab his girlfriend, right? Or, and again, going back to Spectacular, or that drama because Eddie knew that he was Spider-Man as well. Yeah, and used that to manipulate him, and and used the feelings from the symbiote to be like, "Oh, you love Gwen," and he's like, "Yeah, of course I do. She's my best friend." No, you no. love her. <laughs> It's like, oh, thanks, Venom. I didn't know romantic epiphany or fighting, but all right. Uh, we'll deal with that first, and then I guess I'll tell her how I feel. No, but um, yeah, just all that stuff for like him having to flake out on a date because Doc Ock's on the rampage again, and then how am I going to explain that? How are they going to feel, right? How is that going to impact the character going forward, right? It's something that's been a part of him since his earliest, since, his, since the very beginning, because he was relatable in the beginning because it was he's just like in his civilian life he's a shy he's a meek teenager who has trouble with girls and gets bullied and picked on by the yeah. other kids in high school but he has this great power that no one knows about and that's why people flock to him so much is because unlike superman or batman like a dc at the time you have a billionaire who's running with cool gadgets or, or you got really superman or a reporter who's, just, who's awesome and has a hot girlfriend like this is kind of kind of side tangent but at a point not long after Superman's created, um, uh, Fawcett Comics created Shazam or Captain Marvel at the time. Yeah, and he ended up outselling Superman. Who was oh. like, he ended up he, he was performing better than Superman because the Billy Batson side of things was driving comics for kids yeah. who saw themselves in Billy and was like, it's just a kid like them having adventures, becoming superhero, and that drew the sales up, and that's why DC eventually bought Fawcett Comics and bought mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Because, oh, crap, they're doing better than us because they're selling the, the premise better yeah. and they're connecting to the kids better. Well, and I think like, yeah, Spider-Man, like, like not outside of like universe, Spider-Man being relatable to just your common person is important. Not necessarily the kids, because we talked about that last week, where if you're focusing too much on how to make him appeal to kids, you're going to regress the character. But remembering that at his core, he's not a billionaire. It was cool to have mm-hmm. him be one for a little while, but he's not that he's not the best. He's just a really smart guy who loves his family and friends. And most people can relate to something there, you know, 
The only thing extraordinary about Peter as a character, like actual Peter, is, is that he's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's his genius level intellect, and that's just... Which okay. isn't really used very often, aside from just he makes gadgets for himself. Which, that's another thing that need, that is important, though, is the character... Spider-Man needs to be intelligent. Oh, 100%. If you have a Spider-Man that's just a regular dude, no. The genius level intellect is actually essential to the character. It allows him to make deductions, allows him to make gadgets, allows him to... Um, identify with scientists a lot and connect with them, like Connors, Osborne, Octavius, all of them have at some point or another, in some form of media, formed a connection with Peter because of their shared science love, and that has made the struggle with them more personal. And a lot of the early, a lot of his early comics, like the early ones, like his first like twenty or thirty issues, he ended, he beat the villain not because he could just punch them hard enough, but yeah. because he found a way to like uh, like get around their powers yeah. like he threw like he wore like rubber to deal with electro and yeah. like nullify the electricity or he found some way to like cause the arms to go haywire yeah, or he's a scientist at heart and that's yeah. you can never forget that um but yeah I like, like i think he sucked sandman into a vacuum i think so i think you're Which right speaking of like sucking Sandman into a vacuum though like the rogues gallery for spider-man is crazy important as well um Easily the second most recognizable rogues gallery behind Batman. The thing, and even even like, then, arguably, maybe about I would, the same prob- I, I would say more because Batman has Joker, who I would say is more recognizable than any of Spider-Man's villains. But the average person could probably name more Spider-Man villains than Batman villains now. Now, yeah, I, I would, Joker's just I would argue like his profile so high. I would argue in terms of legacy now, Batman has the greater i would as much as i love spider-man i think batman does have the greater rose gallery because a lot of batman's villains are on par with each other in one way or another where some with spider-man like it's like it's it's green goblin it's doc ock and it's a few others but like you don't get many sandman it was venom but you don't get many sandman stories you don't get many like there's not much for electro too often either you know there should be he's great which there should be but like you get plenty there's like i mean for batman there's Joker, Riddler, Two Face, Bane, Penguin, Mister Freeze—all those—and some do get more play than others as well. But well, like we we did we we ended, we talked about this quite a while ago in the overrated or uh, overused characters with Joker that he has outshone all the Batman's villains to the point that they feel less important now. Yeah, because everything is somehow tying back to Joker, or makes Joker look better, or let's just do another Joker story. And it's like, okay, but what about literally anyone else? But yeah, Spider-Man has such a, a a deep and recognizable rogues gallery, right? Like we already talked about Goblin, you know, it was Norman Osborn or Harry Osborn. So it's either his friend or his best friend's dad, right? And I think it was also smart of Stan and Steve to stick with the animal theme because that helped stick in people's lot, heads a yeah. easier. Like Rhino, Vulture, Chameleon. Scorpion. All those characters Octopus. are really stuck in because it's kept the animal theme, and it's easier for people to pick up and remember. Yeah, it's uh, goblins are a very popular animal. Um, <laughs> They're the true enemy of spiders. The in the, in the animal <laughs> Here's the wild spider. Oh no, a goblin. David Attenborough. <laughs> um, no, but like, just yeah, like memorable encounters with so many different villains. Like Venom being such a big player for so long before he finally became a full anti-hero. Carnage is terrifying. Dude, the- I actually have a positive question to you. Yeah. Do you think Venom now has usurped Norman as his kind of true nemesis? Venom? Yeah. No. No. I'd say they're about equal, but I'm not I, sure if he's on top. Because I, I, I think they're definitely his biggest two. If we sat down popularity. If we sat down in the nineties and talked about it, maybe. But the thing is, is, they've buried the hatchet now. Yeah. They're not enemies anymore. Eddie's just a good guy now. So now, no. Uh, late 90s, I think we could have made that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, before well, Goblin, it was it was, it was, it was like, Auk. Uh, well, Norman's not an antagonist there right now. Either. No, yeah. But I, with Norman, it always just feels like a matter of time. Until Doc something Ock's had a resurgence since Superior, he's definitely risen up the ranks a lot since. Yeah, that era. no, Auk. I mean, it was Auk until Goblin killed Gwen, and then it was Goblin. Yeah, and then, then Auk was kind of a joke for a while, and then G- Venom rocked up and made things deeply personal and scary. Um, but I, it's it's definitely been those three. But now I think 
I mean, right, right now, and this is, uh, this is the topic of another non-Spider-Man related episode, but the quest to utilize as many OCs as possible that, uh, has sort of diminished the impact of, of a lot of regular villains, you know? Um, and I think we're gonna do another episode on that at another time because it's happened with a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely think like right now, out of the out of the classics, it's got to be Doc Ock. I think for a brief period, you could have made the argument of Craven because Craven's last hunt was really something. Where Craven just went nuts on him. Like one story where he really set out, and from there hasn't really had much at all. Well, because he's dead. Yeah. Even before then, he wasn't a big player on no. either. Yeah, he, like, he didn't do much. And then he had Craven's last hunt where he went ballistic and died. I'm like, you know what? They kept him dead. They haven't brought him back. Yeah. And I know some of you are sitting out there being like, but I saw Craven on a comic book cover. That was a clone. Or his kid, I think, or whatever. Yeah, right? A kid or a clone or a something. Craven the Hunter, the original, is still dead. And has here's a, a shocker. Uh, oh, sorry, I got the names wrong. But uh, Demetrius wrote Craven's uh, Last Hunt, and he was, and that was really good. I thought for, I, for a second, my brain read that as JMS, but yeah, still Demetrius did. Uh, Demetrius wrote it. And Zach did the art on it, yeah. which was but yeah, like Spider Man's Rogues Gallery. There's such a rich history with them there, and like use using the Rogues Gallery effectively is really important to an effective Spider Man story. Unless your idea is really, really good, don't write a new character. Don't. Yeah, I can't think of too many like modern Spider-Man villains that are really set out as being memorable or like, last. I mean, Paul's pretty memorable for a modern Spider-Man <laughs> villain. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Paul, you sexy, stupid, sexy Paul. Spider-Man's greatest nemesis, Paul. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like the stupid, sexy Flanders for Simpsons. <laughs> stupid, sexy Paul. Um, but no, like, like Morlin is pretty much the only one, yeah, who has made any sort of impact. And even that, people when Morlin shows up, people are just kind of like, oh, yay. Is more to the benefit of Spider Verse taking off so heavily. Yeah, really like Spider Verse is great. Morlin is fine. And the rest of the inheritors are all man, like no one remembers anyone but Morlin. Yeah. Well, it's all better than Judas Traveler. <laughs> that is the deepest cut I will ever make is Judas freaking Traveler. If you guys don't know who he is, he's just like the most 90s character like ever. Is that also a band? Judas Priest is a band. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, Judas Traveler's super weird. Um, I have a comic with him in it, and it's just... I've read it three times, and it didn't make any sense. <laughs> this character makes no sense. But, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, play to the Rogues Gallery. Play with the Rogues Gallery. Do the Sinister Six, right? Like, you know, the, the Insomniac game, again, did it so well in layering in all these other characters to make it a slow the, burn to the to hitting the sinister yeah. six it wasn't like from the get-go like here yeah. they are but it's like yeah it, it was this slowly pieced together thing that made it feel earned and real it's like wow these guys have inhabited the world remember who's inhabited the world use them speaking of oh, actually has been one of the better like modern villains pardon Mr. Magnus has been one of the few modern villains. That kind Mr. Magnus is really cool, out. and I think that that's just um, because he, again, like we said, like really touches on Peter's personal life. Yeah. And I think that was also JMS again. Yeah, JMS, man. Freaking, we, oh, I'm so excited to read that run when it goes on sale. Yeah. Um, but speaking of people inhabiting the world, because Colin is the king of segways, <laughs> the wider heroing community, specifically in New York City, um, Peter has such a good relationship with them, and that's important. He should have a good relationship with them, at least. Character. Uh, like, with the Fantastic Four, which, as Jared had mentioned when we were, like, prepping for this, they were in issue one of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. You know? 
Johnny Storm is canonically his best friend. Like in the mm, hero not best friend, but a good like friend. In, sorry, oh, in the hero community. Yeah. In the hero community, they're best friends. Like they're not each other at first, and they got, then they started to get along. Yeah, because it's I, I like for Johnny. I think he was just like he, he's such a hothead. But I think once he realized somehow it's like oh we're clearly this like close to the same age. He also did think Peter was hitting on Sue. So. Yeah. And he is such a protective older brother. We we love him. But like, yeah, I think once he realized, like, wait, we're similar ages. Like, I think that's when they really started to get along. And like, it was to the point that when Johnny died, he had like willed that Peter take his place. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, that's form. why he joined the Future Foundation. Yeah, which I think is again really, really beautiful and nice. Um, but yeah, like good relations with the wider hero community. Like, and that includes like. A uh, cordial, if not more than cordial, relationship with Tony. You know, not yeah. to the MCU level, but there, it's either like they like each other and have like a respectful science banter, or you know, he does look up to him as like a fellow scientist who just happens to have a lot of money, and he's like, "That's pretty cool, I guess." Or to get you build cool, you build cool things. That's cool. Like build cool things too. Yeah. Right, like I, I, I think like idolizing him to that extent a little much, especially because Peter is older in the comics. But like, definitely looking up to Tony as like, you know, like this man is an ex- is is such like a modern day incredible inventor. Like, holy crap! Well, that's a lot to all the events of Civil War. Yeah, was him siding with Tony in that because he felt Tony was a good mentor. Yeah, and he was he until he knew what he's doing. Got character assassinated. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like. And I think that's something that's kind of bugged me about the Wells run is it, it by having him shun and fight with other members of the hero community. It's just kind of like, what? That's not him at all, though. They're friends. Yeah, he's always had good relationships with the other, like, especially the straight little heroes like Daredevil, Daredevil, uh, Cage, Danny, Jessica, Danny. Yeah. Like, I remember like, still reading about there's one, I think it's a great moment, one of the, one of the comics where it's like, uh, I think he reveals to like the, the street level heroes that, is, that he's Peter, and if you're, it was revealed that Jessica Jones went to high school with him, yeah. and she had a crush on him. Yeah. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> he's like, I had no idea. So she, and Luke's like, wait, what happened? Luke's like, uh, you better not have a crush on him now. Well, I'm gonna crush him. <laughs> I just thought it was a fun little mm-hmm. recon that she went to school with Peter. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Had no idea. But like, he's like, oh man, jeez. You know, having that relationship with the wider community, he's regularly been called by multiple characters as the best they have or the best of us or as or like cable said in the future he's the greatest superhero of all time yeah he got called to be uh what was it the new avengers he was on the team yeah he was in the new well the new avengers he weren't really like a call that was more just like anyone who's there they stumbled together and cap was like by golly tony <laughs> it's fate and like, Tony's yeah, like, works. I can't, I don't disagree. Yeah. But, like, the heroing community respects Spider-Man. Please stop writing him where, and this is just to anybody, not just to you, Zeb, but to anybody, because I know you're listening, Zeb. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know you're listening. I know you're listening. This is anybody. Stop writing Peter in this way where the superhero community thinks of him as a little kid. He's not. One, most of them don't know his age. Two, they never did know his age. Three, they treat him as an equal. In the early issues of his run, like like with the FF, even they they kind of felt he was a kid. Oh yeah, in the early issues, when he when he was you know wet behind the ears, (laughs) totally. But he is now in canon using a sliding time scale, been operating as Spider Man for like at least a decade. Okay, he is well known amongst the hero community now. He has been present for multiple world-changing events. He was in the Secret Wars with everyone. They know him. They're not just going to be like, sorry, Spider-Man, we don't trust you. No one's going to do that now. Yeah, more often than not, he ends up being in the big events in some way, shape, or form. And it's and honestly, he's gotten to the point where it's odd when he hasn't shown up. Yeah, so like, please, to anybody raised by remember that. that like, he is well-liked. And respected. Emphasis on respected. He's not just some punk kid who showed up moony-eyed staring at everybody. Understandably, sometimes editorial things, you know, what depending on what a character might be going through, it might be weird to have him 
or like what in the main book like it can be like it might be odd to get daredevil to come in if like something big is going happening right now or whatever you know or it's like yeah or it's like you know the fantastic four are in the negative zone is currently in their run of the comics right. so you can't really have to pull you pull them and you got to kind of correlate and find out oh of where course the state of where everyone is but it generally it's always fun when they show up and it's it's why everyone loves like in the mcu every time as it kind of snowballed into being more and more common when the other characters show up with each other, it's a lot of fun to see them interact because it's just it's chocolate and peanut butter, you know? Yeah. Like it just, it works and it's fun. And Peter has that good relationship with everyone. So it doesn't feel out of place when he can show up or in another character's book or someone else shows up in his. Exactly. Like if you have an episode of Spider-Man and Iron Fist shows up, it's just, Oh cool. Iron Fist is here. Yeah. And, and it's you why know? I really emphasize with like, he doesn't need to be everywhere, but when he does show up, the other heroes respect him. They like him. They don't think he's a nuisance. Seriously. Yeah, a great, I don't remember what book it was. There's a great moment where like him and Cap are working together and then Peter's like, the cops are showing up after they after you know they beat the bad guy. He's like, I gotta go. And Cap's like, wait, why? He's like, Yeah, the police nine like don't have a good relationship. And then like he kind of finds out about the paper and he just like just reams Jonah Cap. for uh Yeah. Nice. See, that's great. Like, cause again, the hero, superheroes basically judge each other based on character. Unless you're Tony, in which case it's looks and money. And then character. <laughs> um, but Spider-Man has proven his character multiple times. Stop having him torpedo it to the other heroes just so you can giggle to yourself and write him as a loner. Stop. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> Stop it. Um, nice, Michael. Thanks, Michael Jordan. Glad, glad to have you here. Glad you took that personally. Um, but yeah, so kind of tying back though to the events, for the most part, though, Spider-Man should not be having this like threat Avengers level threats to to quote Mysterio. Yeah, that was the weird element near the end of Slots Run when he was kind of like globetrotting when he had the company. It's mm-hmm. like he's dealing all the world and he has like his own like plane and shit. Spider-Man and should like, be that's weird. Small scale New York based threats. For the most part, not not. I'm not saying exclusively. I'm just saying for in general, you know, whatever he's facing shouldn't be threatening usually more than just New York itself. Yeah, right. Like you can you can throw one or two in every once in a while, and that's that's cool. That's fine, but don't do that. Like exclusively because then again he loses that relatability you know it's why people had some problems with like the with tony with peter basically yeah faux father peter becoming tony basically with his own company was because he ended up being it has expanded his realm to being almost global and that doesn't really for the most part feel like what spidey should be and what he can do like it should be. Yeah. Like I, I said this before to you in the in our preamble when we were prepping, but like Spider-Man is as tied to New York City as Superman is to Metropolis or Batman is to Gotham and yeah. so on and so forth. Like it is his city and it's where he should operate 90% of the time. Which goes into another thing we talked about with New York, which is that he is a New Yorker. The New Yorkers love him. For the or most sometimes part. they hate him, depending on what Jonah's been doing. Well, some of them hate him because they believe what Jonah puts out. But overall, on the whole, I would say the majority of New Yorkers look at Spider-Man and be like, "That's our guy." Yeah, you know, he represents them better than anyone else. Like, that's our guy. He's going to stand up for us. Uh, Amazing Fantasy One Thousand. I was talking to Jared about this in the preamble. Um, has this wonderful story. It's like Peter's like 80th or 75th or whatever birthday and him and MJ are having dinner and he has to go before dessert and he gets beat up by robbers or muggers or because he's old. Okay. Yeah. And they think he's going to die and he's in the hospital. And the first really nice moment, really wonderful moment is they're, uh, one of the younger nurses or whatever goes to take his mask off. And one of the older is like, no, don't. He's been in here a lot, and we we don't take it off. But we, it's like, but we need to get it off from breathe. We'll figure it out. We don't take it off. 
right? Like the doctors yeah. just have this this rule that you just do not take off Spider-Man's mask. And I love that. But then anyways, uh, Spidey wakes up in the hospital bed and there's a line from his hospital room, like out the hospital and yeah. down the street of these New Yorkers who were afraid Spider-Man was going to die lined up to thank him for getting their cat out of a tree for saving them from a purse snatcher for always being around like whatever he's helped pretty much everyone at some point or another. And that is it, it, it's, it's the, the Spider-Man one thing, you know, I'll let Jared say the line. <laughs> he messed with one of us. He messed with all of exactly. us. And that, that's how New York feels to Spidey. Like he's one of their own and they treat him that way. Um, and, and that, that's that's really essential, I think, to the character. Is is that, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know his his next block, actually we're doing a pretty good job of segue, which is I'm very happy with. <laughs> we're not usually this good. Uh, is his compassion? Uh, he's always yeah. looking out for the little guy because he knows what it's like to be the little guy. You know, he served as a great mentor to other younger heroes before yes. in previous comics, and yes. it's they always know like the whole Zeb Wall thing again. Like his relationship with Kamala is really nice because she looks up to Pete. She looks up to Spider Man and Peter, but because I don't think at the time she knew they were the same person. No, but she looks up to him, and so does like Actually, Miles. She thought Peter was a huge dork. It was pretty funny. <laughs> it's like this like, guy's like, <laughs> guy yeah, smart, but he's super weird. <laughs> Yeah, like, but the hero, like, they look up to him. Like, it's Miles does, Kamala does, all the younger heroes do, because most, like, aside from, like, Johnny, a couple of others, most of the other mainstay heroes, they were heroes when they were already adults. Yeah. They got their abilities when they were adults. Like, Hulk did, Tony did, Steve did, like, even... And uh, Steve just feels older than everyone else, because... Like, Matt did, Fantastic Four did, aside from Johnny. Like, they were all already adults and can kind of knew what to do with the power. But Peter was only 15 when he got his. So he knows what it's like to be, like, way in over his head with what he's doing and how to adjust to daily life having his power. So yeah. he serves as a good mentor and kind of, like, flag of how to handle things for these younger heroes. Mm-hmm. I agree. And he inspires them to do the right thing. Like, he, his, the best part is that his code rubs off on the other heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very important. Uh, oh my, like, uh, yeah, no, Spider, like, just, yeah, Spider-Man's a character is so full of compassion, and, like, again, that can be attributed to so many things, but, like, his supporting cast being such a big part of it, like, May is so inspiring to him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a well-written book, so is MJ. Yeah. Uh, which is personally why I loved them having the relationship. You know, I, I don't think I articulated it terribly well last week. I was most just really kind of like talking about how, oh, well, it, it's this insistence on de-aging him. But I think him having a wife and one who loves him despite his guilt and his crushing responsibility and is always there for him, it stops him from feeling like he's getting kicked in the nuts every week. Hey, something to go back to. And I think that that's like the last, like that's the last thing on our list is this important sense of Spider-Man where yes, it's hard. Yes, it sucks. It is. And sometimes he just out and out fails, but there's hope. There's a reason for him to keep going. It is, and this, I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. <laughs> people who don't understand Spider-Man, on, and there's a lot of people on social media, have this weird sense that the character needs to be miserable all the time. And that's not it at all. No, he can be down in his luck, but not like... like these people like punch in air rooting that oh good no way home he has no friends no family he's living alone this is great this is perfect I mean it's a really good setup but that's also not Spider-Man's like normal status quo 
I don't know why you're acting like that is. He usually has lots of friends and family. Like it, 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 it you end up feeling like what these what people want is Spider-Man who just fails everything. People die. He's alone. He's crying. His credit score is in the negatives. Like they just want this string of bad luck to happen to him. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man is he has bad luck, but he still just pushes through and there's still good in his life. Yeah, you know? it's relatable to be down as luck and have issues, but like it's weirdly like dark to want that for a fictional character so badly. It's 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 a little sadomasochistic, I think. Yeah. To just be like good. And now his friends and family hate him. Yeah. Oh, no one remembers him. Yes. Like, <laughs> why are you so excited about that? Like, again, I agree, it's a really good setup for a comic, but, like, you're a little too into this. <laughs> Dial it back. Here's some questions. Yeah. What, why do you hate him? You know, it's, it, and it's, again, like, I totally get that him being mentored by Tony and having access to all this tech and whatever. Yeah, that's a little much. I agree. Peter's supposed to be a little more, you know, pull himself up by his bootstraps kind of energy. But to want him to suffer constantly, it's not it. No. That ain't the, that ain't, that ain't it. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's our, <laughs> that's our, our, yeah, our, our Spider-Man Essentials. GQ. Um, Spider-Man, 10 Essentials. Um, magazine there? But no, I... It, it ties back into why I don't love the Wells run. And why it just turned me off of it so bad. Because it feels like a lot of those things that we talked about are being ignored. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, he's way too down on his luck for the most part. Like, he got his butt kicked by Tombstone. By Tombstone. He he was in, in iron chains that he couldn't break or stainless steel or titanium or whatever. Spider-Man, he can break anything. He's super freaking strong. Um, he His supporting cast all hate him at the beginning. Why? That's not... I don't get it. It just... It felt like a lot of these core tenets of the character were being ignored. And I don't think that's good. Like, without tension, obviously, and without risk... Oh, yeah. Tension's lost and things get boring, but... There's a balancing act there. You can find, like, it's there. You can make it work without it being just one way or the other. Either everything's perfect or everything's horrible. You can, it's not that hard to kind of find the middle ground. Juggle it, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys have anything you think we missed, let us know. Um, if there's anything you disagree with, let us know. Though I, I, I feel like what we said is mostly reasonable to the, to mm-hmm. the general population. Um, but yeah, we thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. See you next time. Bye. Bye.